0: Lord, I pray for the preaching of your word today. Thank you that your word when we sow it, it bears fruit. We don't know how, but it does. And we ask that you would do that. I pray that in each heart here, you would use the seed from Hebrews chapter 11 to to bear fruits of faith, of salvation, of encouragement, of conviction, of strength, of hope, of comfort, of calling, whatever we need. Dozens and dozens of different needs here. But would you come now and speak through your word and let there be fruit born in each heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're working our way through Hebrews If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We'd like you all to be able to have a copy of the Bible to look on with. Hebrews 11, page 1007 in the Bibles we're passing out. This week, uh, the new Pope, Pope Francis, gave a sermon, a homily, they call it. And you, you may have seen headlines about it, lots of controversy, lots of discussion about it. It raised the question... Of who can be saved who does God save raise that question and one news agency responded to all the all the hubbub and all the controversy by taking a poll and here's the question they asked people the question was will God save atheists who do good will God save atheists who who do good This is the poll they took, and 43% of those who responded said, yes, God will save atheists who do good, and 47% said, "Uh, no, God God won't save atheists who do good, And, and the rest, of course, said they weren't sure. Here's my question. What would you say? How would you answer that question? And not only what would you say, but what scripture would you use to support your convictions? at least as important as that question, what scripture would you use to support your conviction? Here's why I want to mention this. One reason is because we want to be a church where we are growing in our knowledge of the scriptures so we can discern what's truth from God and what's not. It's not enough just to be able to quote what a teacher said or what a book said or what a pastor said. We want to be able to go to the book, the word of God, And know what God himself has said so that we can discern. We can be wise and we can be discerning. And so what would, what does God's word say? What passage would you go to? Will will God save someone who's an atheist who does good? Now, I just want to say, if you're an atheist here this morning, we are really glad you're here. Uh, Sincerely, we love you. We care about you we long to see you saved that's really really important to us but the question is will god save you if you do good and look at what the author of hebrews says in hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 he addresses this directly and he says hebrews 11:6 and without faith it is impossible to please him to please god For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the truth is that none of us, atheists, theists, deists, pantheists, agnostics, okay? None of us can be saved by doing good. You see that? None of us can. None of us can. We've all sinned way too much to think we can make up for our sin by doing good. We cannot. The Bible's crystal clear on that point. The only way that we can be saved is by what? Faith, okay? Faith is the only way that we can be saved. And what faith means is believing that God is, Hebrews 11:6. So God is, and that when I draw near to him through Jesus Christ he will reward me with more of himself. He is our all-satisfying treasure. And when we draw near to God through Jesus Christ, forgiven for our sins through his death on the cross, when we draw near to God through Jesus, he rewards us by giving us more of himself. And so without faith, it is impossible to please God. No one can be saved without faith. But, but with faith, we will please God and we are saved. So I hope you got that, okay? be no confusion on this point. We hope you'd all answer the poll question. No. Okay, that's that's the right answer. None of us atheists, anyone else, deists, can be saved by doing good. The only way we can be saved is by faith, Hebrews 11.6. Now, as I thought about Hebrews 11.6 this week. That's where we ended up last Sunday. And then as I read ahead to chapter 7 and looked at what the author of Hebrews 11 emphasizes about Noah... I think what's going on what the author's got in his mind is he wants to answer a troubling question that could come up from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. He wants to address what would actually be kind of a haunting question that could come from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And here's the question. Okay, we're only saved by faith. I got that from Hebrews 11:6. But how much faith do I need? in order to be pleasing to God? How much faith do I need to have in order to be saved? I understand we're only saved by faith, yes, but but how much faith do I need? Do I have enough? Will another week do it? Will another month of faith do it? I get it. Faith alone, but how much faith do I need in order to be fully pleasing to God? And one reason the author tells us the story of Noah is to answer that question. I've never seen this before. This is so powerful. So let's read verse 7. We're only doing one verse today. I just There's just too much in here, okay? Verse 7 is just like brimming with truth for us. And let's look at what he says. Start with the first half of verse 7, just so we get the story of Noah in our minds. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, that's the flood, in reverent fear, constructed an ark... For the saving of his household. Okay, now the story of Noah is back in the book of Genesis, Genesis six, seven, and eight. And here's what happened: Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve had turned their backs on God and sinned against Him. And they they ended up turning back, being forgiven, but their lineage, their children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, great great grandchildren, kids, 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 their whole lineage, everyone on the earth, turned their backs on God. We're sinning against God. Everyone on the whole globe, you read that in Genesis 6, 5, I think it is. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, for every intent of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Genesis 6, 5. Everyone was turning their backs on God except for Noah and his family. So everybody was sinning except for Noah and his family. And God is righteous and perfectly holy and just And God said to Noah, I'm going to punish everyone except for you, Noah, because I'm going to save you. I'm going to bring a flood, bring a flood upon the whole earth. I want you to build an ark to save you and your family. So this is the story of what's going on. And Noah heard God say, I'm bringing a flood. Everyone's going to be destroyed. I want to save you and your family through you building an ark. And Noah believed God. I believe you. I trust you. And so that faith expressed itself in Noah building an ark. Now, with that in mind, read verse 7 again. Let's read the whole verse. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, there's the flood, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this faith, by this faith, he condemned the world and, get this next line, became an heir. Of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah had faith in God's word. There's a flood come and build an ark. Noah trusted God. Okay, he, he believed God's word. And by that faith, that one act of faith, he became an heir of the righteousness that comes through faith. He inherited the righteousness that comes through faith by that one act of faith. Now, now this is huge. I hope you feel this. We've all sinned against God. We are all unrighteous before God. One of the most important truths you can understand about, about yourself. And it's true of me too. It's true of every single one of us here. We've all sinned against God. We are unrighteous before God. And God is a holy and just and perfectly good and righteous being. And he must punish unrighteousness. And so our crying need is, how can I be righteous before God? I'm unrighteous right now. How can I be righteous? Okay, and if you add, you know, five millimeters of righteousness to 30,000 tons of unrighteousness, how righteous, it? it doesn't work that way. So how can I be righteous? And notice what's described here. The moment Noah believed God's word about the flood and about the ark, that faith, by that faith, he became an heir of the righteousness that comes through faith. By that that faith, he inherited the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, how's that possible? That this one act of faith, Noah's unrighteousness was completely covered by perfect righteousness. He was going to inherit perfect righteousness because of that one act of faith. How's that possible? It's because of what Jesus would do uh, at least 2,000 years in the future. Okay, so here's what happened. The moment that Noah put his trust in God, he had faith. At that moment, everything changed for him. All of his sin, past sin, present sin, future sin, all of Noah's sin was put upon Jesus on the cross in the future and was punished in Jesus. So if all of Noah's sin was punished in Jesus... If all, all of Noah's sin, all of his past, all of his present, all of his future, if all of his sin was punished in Jesus, how much punishment did Noah still need to go through for his own sin? None, right? (laughs) Let me try that again. Hello, Mercy Hill Church. Are we awake here? Here we go. If all... Of Noah's sin was punished in Jesus, all of his past sin, all of his present sin, all of his future sin, if it was all punished in Jesus, how much punishment does Noah still need to go through to to be punished for his sin? Thank you. Okay, hello, we're awake. All right, good deal. Now, that's the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened is Jesus Christ is the only human being who has ever lived a perfectly blameless and righteous life. No one else has. The God-man, Jesus Christ, is the only one who has lived a flawless, sinless life. And the second thing that happens to Noah when he put his trust in God and he trusted God's words there, all of Jesus' perfect moral righteousness was given to Noah as a gift to cover his remaining sin. And so from that moment on, when God looks at Noah... He sees Noah as perfectly morally righteous. This is called justification. Hope you know that word. Such a precious word. Not just, not just saying it, but experiencing it, understanding it. So from that moment on, whenever God looked at Noah, he saw Noah as perfectly morally righteous. Not that he became perfectly morally righteous, but he was clothed with Jesus' perfect moral righteousness. And so God responds to Noah as if he was perfectly morally righteous. Loved Noah, delighted in Noah, pouring out love upon Noah, pouring out favor upon Noah, pouring out his mercies upon Noah because he was clothed with Jesus' perfect righteousness. And that all happened through how much faith in Noah's part? One act of faith. He believed God by faith. That faith of building the ark, expressed through building the ark. That's what happened. Now, write down in your notes Genesis 15:6. Exact same truth. It's a few chapters later than Noah. Remember, God gave Noah a promise. He said, "Look outside. Look at the stars. That's how many children you're going to have, Noah." Okay. And then the next line, Genesis 15:6. And Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. A lifetime of righteousness was counted to him because of what Jesus would do through that one act of faith. Now, let's bring it up to us then. Okay, here we are, 2013. The moment that you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the moment you turn from whatever else you've been trusting, say, Jesus, here I am. Might be weak faith, might be struggling faith, but I'm trusting you. I'm I'm trusting you, Jesus Christ, to forgive my sins. I'm trusting you to help me. I'm trusting you to change my heart. I'm trusting you to satisfy me. The moment we turn, even with weak faith, and look to Jesus Christ by faith, at that moment, everything changes. All of your sins put upon Jesus 2,000 years ago and punished in Jesus, and all of Jesus' perfect moral righteousness given to you as a gift, so that from now on, when God looks at you, he sees you as clothed with Jesus' perfect moral righteousness. He's running towards you like the prodigal son's father. He's delighting in you. He's caring for you. He's cherishing you. He's pouring out his favor and his blessings upon you. Parenthesis, doesn't mean a trial-free life. Okay, that's not draw wrong conclusions there, but the point is that God is 100% for you, loving you, delighting in you through that one act of faith, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, it's like, what if somebody says, okay, wow, like, trust him, done, covered, now on with my life. Let's just, like, go out and sin and rebel. That can't happen because that's not faith, right? Right? Part of genuine faith means i'm trusting you, Jesus, I'm seeing who you are. I want to follow you forever that 's part of what faith means doesn't doesn't mean you will perfectly follow him you won 't doesn't mean you won't sin, you will, but if faith is genuine at that one moment, it longs to keep following Jesus forever, so don't forget that, but that one moment of genuine faith changes everything. you will become an heir of the righteousness that's through faith. You will inherit the righteousness that comes through faith. Are you getting this? Okay, a little quiz now. Let's say someone calls you up who's in your home group in tears, and, and they are just like despondent because they're seeing their sinfulness. They're seeing the imperfection of their faith. And the question that they're asking you is, I'm not sure I've had enough faith to be saved. And my faith is so weak. I'm not sure I've I've had enough faith to really be pleasing to God. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. I'm not sure I'm pleasing enough to God yet. I'm not sure I've had enough faith yet to be saved, pleasing to God. What would you tell them? On the phone, what would you tell them? You could say, well, think back on your past. That, that first time you had faith, that was everything. And, and that would be true, and that, that could be helpful. I think there's a better answer, though, because we can always doubt, yeah, but was I really genuine back then? You know, 40 years ago? I mean, what if I was just like, okay, here's the best answer, I think. Say, listen, right now, look to Jesus. Right now, look to him. Trust him. Weak faith? That's all right. See, we're not saved by strong faith. We're saved by even weak faith in a very strong Savior. All right. So look to Jesus. Say, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm doubting. I'm wondering. Help me. Okay. That's it. That is bona fide twenty carat golden faith right there. And you can, you will be assured at that moment. Yes, all my sins were paid for in Jesus. And yes, I'm clothed with Jesus' perfect righteousness. So look to him now. That, that's, that's what I would encourage you to tell each other, okay? Now, that is a crucial truth that I think the author wants us to understand from Noah's story. And the reason I, I, I honed in on that is just that unusual phrase that by this one act of faith, Noah became an heir of the righteousness that is from faith. That is an astonishing statement. I puzzled over that. Why does he say that? Such a strong statement. And I think he's addressing the question that could have been raised from verse 6. So if you are doubtful as to whether you are saved or not, very simple solution. Look to Jesus Christ right now. Just look to him. Trust him. Help me. Forgive me through the cross. Change my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come and satisfy me. Strengthen my faith. See, we we just come, faith trusts another to do what needs to be done. Okay? What do we bring to the table? Need. Okay? Capital N, capital E, capital E, capital D. We bring need. And he is fullness. We are the needy ones. He is the need meter. We come as the needy ones and we trust. And that's what faith is and that's what saves. It's easy to trust him. If we would just get our stinking sin and pride out of the picture, right? I'm I'm an idiot, and uh, I'm an idiot, okay? Right? We all struggle with these things. I mean, look, I am so needy, and look at him. He has proven himself faithful through how he cared for Israel and how he took care of Noah, as we're going to see in a moment, and how he sent his own son to die on the cross to pay for our sins, and he's never broken a promise ever, 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 ever. And the only thing that keeps me from trusting him is my sin. So just, Lord, and and you know what the beauty beauty of it is? He takes care of that too. Okay? He forgives and he changes. So look, just turn to him and look to him by faith. That's it. That is it. And he will go to work. Change you. Satisfy you. Assure you. Okay, are we getting this? All right. Oh, this is just amazing clothed with Jesus' perfect righteousness. Mm. That's one truth from verse 7, but there's a second truth also that I think is very important for us to get this morning. Ask this question. How did Noah do something as hard as building an ark? Really hard, okay? Here's, here's why. Think about what this would have meant for Noah. God said to Noah, I'm going to bring a flood and I'm going I'm to destroy everyone because everyone sinned against me. But Noah, I want you to build an ark to protect you and your family, and so think of then Noah, what this would have meant. I mean, um, there hadn't been a flood we read in the Bible record. no what's a flood? What's a flood? Okay well, it's you know, flood, rain, okay um, they may, there may not have even been much water around there for all that we know okay so so here Noah is asked to build an ark. And this wasn't a small arc that he could, like, hide behind his garage. Um, the ark, God gave exact dimensions. <laughs> he couldn't. No wiggle room here. Like a three-foot arc? No, 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 no. 450 feet long. Okay? So picture yourself out in the middle of a football field. It's the length of the football field plus another half of a length. Big ol' arc. Okay? 450 feet. It is, uh, how many feet wide? 75 feet wide, which is half of a football field. I looked that up, okay? So pretty wide, and it's three to four stories tall. So this could have been seen for miles around. I mean, this was massive and, and gigantic here. And Noah's building of the ark would have been a statement to everyone. You've sinned against God. His judgment is coming. He is against you unless you turn. And that's why the author says in verse 7 that, that Noah condemns the world. It's not that he, he went out there saying, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. His building of the ark was a statement that judgment was coming to the world. Re- read verse 7 again. You'll see that phrase. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah stood against the whole world in his building of the ark. And it was a statement, God's judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming. Bend the knee. God's judgment is coming. So he, that's how he condemned the world by building the ark. And I just want you to think of how hard that would have been for Noah to do. Think about how hard that would have been. God had asked him to do something that would have looked utterly foolish to everyone. Imagine that God's called you to do something that all of your neighbors know about and think is lunacy. Imagine. Imagine having God ask you to do something that all of your work associates know about and it's foolishness. All your friends know about and it's foolishness. Imagine it. Your family might have even wondered sometimes. Okay. This big old ark being built. And it would have been hard for Noah to do this. So here's the question I want to ask. How did he do something that hard? How did he do it? Noah was not perfect. Noah surely had times where he said, is this worth it? You Like one more trip to the hardware store and some more nails. How's that ark coming, Noah? Everybody's giggling in the background, okay? I mean, you know the pain that comes if people are making fun of you. It hurts. And everyone's making fun of you. So the pain of that, wondering, is God really going to bring a flood? Is God really going to do this? Is this really going to happen? So this would have been very hard on multiple levels for Noah to do. And so how did he do something so hard? And this is another truth that the author wants to have us understand clearly. Read verse 7 again. By faith. Underline those two words. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this faith, is what the reference is to there, he condemned the world by building the ark and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So he did this by faith. Now, for for too many of us we would read that verse and just gloss over those first two words. But I want you to understand those those two words are so crucial. That is the Christian life. By faith that is the Christian life. Everything you need to be as a follower of Jesus and everything you need to do as a follower of Jesus comes by faith. And don't just let by faith be shorthand for willpower get her done, work hard. It's not what, not what faith is. Faith Faith means something here. Faith. What faith is, is it means turning to God and trusting all that he promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. Remember, we bring our needs, and faith means needy people looking to God to take care of our needs. That's what faith is. And so what might it have looked like for Noah to have faith? What does by faith mean there? By faith, he built the ark. What does that mean? What what did he do? Well, I could picture Noah coming before God and saying, Father, I'm doubting. I'm hurting. These people are laughing at me. All my friends have turned away from me. My family's even wondering sometimes. I'm weak. I'm struggling. But I'm coming to you. Okay, so this this is faith happening here. Okay, I'm coming to you. Forgive me for my unbelief, Father, please forgive me through what the Messiah will do, forgive me for my unbelief. Help me, strengthen me. I need you, look at me. I'm not going to be able to do this, Father. Help me, come. And then he would have known, as Paul wrote in Romans 10, that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And so Noah would have set his heart then upon God's words. I'm going to build, I want you to build an ark. A flood is coming. I'm going to take care of you. Do this. I promise. So Noah would have set his heart on, on God's words. And faith comes from hearing God's words, it comes from praying over God's words. And so as Noah's thinking about, he promised, there will be a flood. I want to trust you, Father. Help me. As Noah did that, God would have brought his Holy Spirit upon Noah. And Noah's faith would have strengthened. God would have maybe poured his love into Noah's hearts. And Noah's, oh, Lord, you're here. Yes, you're so good. I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm feeling it. I'm sensing it. You're here. Yes, you're assuring me I'm righteous. You're commending me as righteous. What verse 2 says in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm assured that I'm righteous. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm knowing. I'm meeting you. And the flood is coming. I'm feeling it. Got to build the ark. And so here he comes. Before and after, before needy, weak, doubting, and then by faith, strong, builds the ark, obedient. That's how he did it. It's by faith. Now, again, I I think many, many Christians today, I don't understand why this is, but many Christians read the words by faith and just like, okay, that means I just need to do it. I just need to get out the hammer. Okay? No! No! By faith means you turn to God in Jesus Christ and you confess your sin to him and you ask him to help you and to strengthen your faith and to to meet you and give you the motivation, give you the heart, give you whatever you need. And then you trust his word. You you pray over his word. You trust his word. And faith comes from hearing God's word. The Holy Spirit will come. You will feel your faith rise. You'll have times where God pours his love into your heart. So you feel his very love. You see his glory. It's all real. It's all real. I know it's all real. Faith is the the substance. It's the uh, Convictions? No, what was it? Faith is the assurance, the substance of things hoped for, the conviction, the evidence of things not seen. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And by faith, God will give that to you. That's how Noah did what was so hard. Now, what does this mean for us then? Last question. Friday morning, I was uh, with my DNA group, and David Niece was praying for me for this morning's message. And as he was praying... Uh, I experienced what I think was the Holy Spirit stirring my heart that God wants us to understand that He's calling us to do something very hard here, 2013, something very hard. He's calling us to make disciples in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and with our friends. He's calling us to do something very hard because the flood of His judgment is coming. It's coming. It is coming. And the ark of Jesus Christ is there. And the door is open. But the only way your neighbor is going to go into the ark is if you talk to your neighbor. It's the only way. It's the only way people get saved is we speak the gospel. We love. We listen. We speak. We do what Natasha did with her friends. We speak of Jesus. We plead. We encourage. We answer questions. We pray for them. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Because people will think we are foolish. See, the story of Noah's Ark is not mostly a story about all the cute animals that get on the Ark, okay? It is that, all right? That's part of the story. But notice the author says nothing about the animals in verse 7. His focus is elsewhere in this verse. His focus is that God called Noah to do something very hard that stood against the world, and he did it by faith. And he's saying to his listeners, you are being called by God to do something very hard, like Noah was. And the only way you're going to be able to do it is by faith. It's the only way. So see, back then, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of parallels between the story of Noah and where we are today. Back then, people were turning their backs on God. Okay? Today, people are turning their backs on God. Parallel. Back then, God told Noah, the flood's going to come and it's going to punish everyone who's got their backs turned to me. And God's told us the same thing. The flood of my judgment is coming. And it will destroy forever. It will bring eternal punishment to everyone who's continuing to turn their back to to me. And God called Noah back then to do something that looked foolish. Build an ark. And God tells us to do something that looks foolish. Make disciples. Make disciples. Share the gospel. And back then the flood came. God had promised and it came. The, The storm clouds were moving in. The raindrops were starting to fall. The flood came. And everyone except Noah and his family were destroyed, just as God had said. So today, God's judgment has not yet come. It has not yet come. But it will. It, it will. It absolutely will. And everyone who has not bent their knee before Jesus Christ is going to face eternal punishment justly from a holy and righteous God who sent his son to pay for sins. And if people don't turn and trust him, they won't be saved. Okay, so Mercy Hill, God's calling us to make disciples, and that looks foolish. It looks foolish to lost people. It's not foolish. One day, everybody's going to see it was not foolish. One day, when the raindrops start, everyone will see it was love. It was right. It was true. It was compassion. One day, they're all going to see the problem is it's hard. I mean, I, I feel it. I get fearful. I get timid. There's two women who walk by the creek, and uh, I've whimped out a couple times. I know God wants me to talk to them. And, and I've been thinking about this by faith thing, and I'm, and I'm asking, him, okay, bring them bring him, bring him across my path again. I just want to say, you know, I've, I've seen you walking here for years, and uh, you don't know me, and this might sound kind of strange, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. I love telling people about him. I'd love to tell you about him. Can I I talk to you about Jesus? Wouldn't that be powerful? So it would be powerful. So why have I wimped out prone to wander? Lord, I feel it right prone to leave the God I love. I need more. I need to come to God and say, look, I'm so, I'm such a wimp sometimes help me. And you know what? He will. He absolutely will. He has, and he will. And you've got somebody maybe in your life along those same lines. Who is God stirring in your heart to share the gospel with? Who is he stirring in your heart? So again, we don't just do this by willpower. Okay, I, get her done. No, 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 no. We, we we come before the Lord Jesus, our precious Savior, Lord Jesus. And we say, here I am. Look at how weak I am. Yeah, I've never shared the gospel with anybody I just feel so inept I, don't, my, I stumble over my words and it just comes out wrong but here I am forgive me for my unbelief change my heart so I'm more bold pour your love into my heart so I'm more confident that it's true and help me and then you pray over his word and faith comes from hearing so what I did on, this, on the back page of your teaching insert I, I listed I don't know eight or nine scriptures so here's my challenge I'm going to give you a project. Take 15 minutes. This afternoon, or maybe tonight, or tomorrow's Memorial Day, some of you have that off. Take 15 minutes and do what Noah did. Okay? Just all of us here at Mercy Hill, come turn towards the Lord Jesus and just say, help me. Forgive me. Help me. Increase the work of your Holy Spirit upon me. And then as I read over these scriptures and pray over these scriptures... You say, faith comes from hearing your word, so strengthen my faith. Please do that. And as you do that, I promise you, he has promised, your faith will grow. Your love for your neighbors will grow. Your fear will diminish. I'm not saying you'll become fearless. that has not happened to me yet, okay? And it may not until heaven, but your, your fear will diminish. Your boldness will grow. Your love will grow. And then step out as you experience God working in that way and invite your neighbors over for dinner and get to know them and say, share with me your story. How long have you lived here? We brought you to San Jose. And then share your story. Include your testimony in your story, what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Share the gospel with them or take somebody in the cubicle next to you out to lunch this week. Hear their story. Love them. Listen to them. Care about them. And tell them about Jesus or your your long lost high school friend you haven't seen for 15 years or five years. Call them up. Hey, let's catch up. I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life. The flood's coming. The flood is coming. It's coming. And if you're anything like me, I forget about that. I can go for days and not think about it. I can think, oh, it's uncomfortable to talk to people. Are you kidding me? The flood's coming. It's coming. The flood is coming. It is coming. There's lots of other motivations. Our biggest motivation is for the glory of God. Lord, save this person. We're motivated because we want their great good of knowing you and being loved by you and being forgiven and saved. But part of the motivation, too, is the reality that they're going to face judgment. The flood is coming. So be like Noah. Okay, Be like Noah. Do what's going to seem foolish, But keep in mind, simply this, it's not going to look foolish when the rain starts. It's not going to look foolish when the rain starts. Let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. (laughs) Thank you, Father, for having the author of Hebrews give us verse 7 about Noah. Thank you that by one act of genuine faith, we become heirs of the righteousness that comes from faith. We inherit complete righteousness. amazing. What a gospel, what a salvation. And that's the good news that you are calling us to share with our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. We're weak. We doubt, we get timid, we feel awkward, we don't want the pain of awkwardness coming into our relationships, so here we are, help us be like Noah and do this by faith, to turn to you, to bring you our weaknesses, to bring you our weaknesses, to bring you our fears. I pray that each of us would take time today, tomorrow, and come to you by faith about this, about our our call by you to make disciples. Help us with this, Lord. I praise you that you will. Thank you that you've called us to live by faith. By faith. We come needy, and you help us every time. You are the Savior. You are our helper. You are our God. You will do the work. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.